Collins out this weekend and why not get yourself the ultimate in podcast? We've got things we've watched, things we've listened to. We've got two queer trans ladies like you wouldn't believe. Do you want to hear skits? Do you want to hear silly voices? Do you want to hear things that people have done? Come on down and get yourself some queer and pleasant strangers. 15% off. Oh, can't say fairer than that. Greetings, strangers, queer and pleasant. I'm not Laura Kate Dale. And I'm not Jane Harris Magnet. And welcome to another episode of Queer and Pleasant Strangers, that podcast where two queer trans ladies talk about our weeks and do some skits and some giggles and all those sort of things. It's us. That's what we do. How you doing? Oh, I'm alright. Yeah. Yeah. I'm alright. It's been a week, isn't it? It has. Many travels. We did many travels. We did many travelling. Uh, we had a lovely time, but one mm-hmm. of those times that's like... It's lovely and relaxing while it's happening, and then you get to the end of it and go, I have to sit on the couch for five hours. I gotta sleep now. I gotta do a sleep on the bus. We did many sleeps. We did. I slept I slept on the bus home. I slept like eleven hours after getting home. One of those kind of weeks. Many good slaps. But mm-hmm. I've been I've been having a good week. Been doing lots of lots of stuff behind the scenes that I've been very excited about. I am also very hyped for these things because I've been doing a help. Yeah, life has been quite exciting this last uh, yeah. week or so. Got to do creative arty things. Indeed, we've, we've done many a creative thing. Mm. I'm feeling more creatively energised than I have in a bit. I am glad. I enjoy your creative uh, 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 thing. Outputs. Outputs, yeah. <laughs> creative creations. <laughs> Creative creations. Yes, yes. Do you uh, want to tell us the things that you've played this week, dear? I've really not played a whole amount this week. No. Um, the the main thing I've just played is more of that that Pokemon. I know I bring it up all the time. <laughs> Two shinies left now. Does does does? What am Buzz. I gonna do when I finish all that? Um, train them all up to be like absolutely perfect versions of themselves. With the... Yeah, maybe. Quite maybe. Hope that Sword and Shield is released. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got like five or six months in which I can, you know, detox from Pokemon slightly. Maybe go outside a bit. Get some sunshine. Although when Sun and Shield comes out, like, yeah, there's every chance I might just be able to be like, ah, I'm just going to play Sword and Shield 24 hours a day and make that what I do for a bit. <laughs> do, a, do a slap sometimes. Okay, just, fine. Just I'll do, do a like, slap. I'll sleep like eight hours a day. I'll do the rest of them be Pokemon. <laughs> and eat. I know. I'm doing uh, exaggerate. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. uh, so yeah, not not much else to say about that. Yeah. I've got two left: um, Lapras and Kabuto. You can try and get those yourself, or are you still accepting? Um, so the one that I might accept if if anyone offers it is Kabuto, because Kabuto is a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Finding the fossils that you can turn into Kabutos is incredibly rare. To then get enough of them to like do a batch of mashing A like I was doing with the Alolan rats to see if there's a shiny to reset and try again. That's it's worse than hunting for the Alolan rats. That's gonna be a nightmare. Locks. Um Lapras, I'm gonna do myself and I'm gonna do it on stream, and it might be a lengthy stream, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna try and find a shiny Lapras on stream to finish that that off. And I don't know when that'll be yet. Probably not for a few weeks, I would guess. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot of big important stuff coming up. There's a lot happening that you're gonna have E3 coming up soon, so probably yeah. best to get that out of the way. Yeah, maybe maybe after E3, but I'm going to do a big live stream to go get that last shiny. So. Very hype. 
Yeah. What about you? What are you playing? Uh, well, we played something together. What did we play together? We, we played that Portal Two co-op. Oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Heck. Uh, that's quite. It continues to be quite fun. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to hear new Glados lines. I haven't played the co-op in that in so long that I completely forgot what the solutions were. Same. Which is, which um, is I, good. I, I played through it with somebody who was living in Norway at the time. Ah. And I remember it being so laggy that we just gave up. <laughs> Although, when you started, you, you seemed to think that we'd it, actually unlocked everything. It was acting, it was acting as if you'd completed everything. Oh, and everything was unlocked, but, um. Everything we've played so far, I think we're on to area four or five. Yeah. As everything so far has been unlocked, so that's... Yeah, we, we've been having fun. Like, I was definitely remembering sections of it. Like, there's that that one level with the huge fan that I remembered and couldn't remember how to do, and we got there in the end. I can't even remember what the solution to that is, is, is now. I think partly because I couldn't really see what you were doing. Both sides of the screen were on screen. I know. <laughs> It's you get very focused on your screen, on your own screen. I think. Ah, uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, that continues to be really fun. I always enjoy a good co-op puzzle where you have to be doing things together separately. Yeah, and more Glados. Yeah, like Glados. <laughs> <laughs> and every time she tried to, you know. Disparages. Every time she tried to get us to fight with each other by being like, oh, this player's definitely better than this player, we'd, we'd just be like, oh, I'm so glad that GLaDOS is really, <laughs> you know, respecting your good work. Yeah, look at you. I'm very proud of you. Yeah. Oh, well done, you. <laughs> we made it very difficult for GLaDOS to... She won't tear us apart. Yeah. Well, I mean, literally at the end of every level, she would tear us apart. Yeah, but, but you know. not from each other. Like, she tears us apart limb from, from limb. limb from limb, but not, you know, from each other. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, it's great fun. Yeah. Do all the shoot your portals, working with four portals. Ooh. How we do the things together. That uh, the one where we had to crash into each other in midair. Oh, that that that's, took us a little while. That took us a minute. We got yeah. there, but that took us a minute. Do we do this? Oh yeah, we do that. Okay. <laughs> it's it's one of those. As soon as you think of it, you're like, <gasps> ah, I'm, I'm a silly. I understand it now. He he he. Yeah. Uh, what about you? What else have you played? What else have I played? Uh, I played a bit more Hamsterdam. That continues to be fun. I got past the first boss. They're diff- them, them bosses be difficult. And yeah. I've um, sort of. So as I'm going further on, there's like new moves to learn and new techniques to look out for from your opponents. Like some of them will have poisony gasness. And um, you need to learn how to sort of break blocks and things. But ultimately, it's like quite nice, fluid game of just sort of like working out the timing for your attacks and then sort of making sure that you're avoiding your enemies. And it does get into this sort of beautiful little rhythm after in certain sort of some sections where like you, you, you know, you'll do a couple of hits on someone, you'll see someone, a cup, maybe a couple of people in the background going for an attack. So you'll block them. Then you'll go in for someone else. You'll um, time a few hits correctly. You'll get your KO meter up just in time, and yeah, it's really nice. And then the bosses are, uh, and mini bosses are done in sort of such a way as they're di- different combat. So the first one was um, moving to one of three positions, left, right, and centre, to avoid bombs being thrown at you, and eventually try and catch civilians. Mm. Um, 
And then the boss version of that was just a slightly harder version of the same thing, but you had learnt it from what you'd done with a mini boss. Yeah. And then with the um the next uh, the red light district area, I've got like um you're riding along uh, on a scooter, uh, yeah. like a, a like a one of those collapsible scooters, yeah, uh, yeah. chasing after a car that's throwing bombs at you. So you have to go onto one of three positions: top, middle, and bottom to avoid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, avoid those sort positions. of sort of getting in the right lane. Yeah, and then you can sort of if you're on the bottom and there's something there as well, but it's a little bit higher up, you can just sort of do a little skid down underneath mm. it. Um. So yeah, it's like a nice sort of avoiding that and then eventually catching up to the things. But I'm really enjoying that, and that's that's fun and available for free at the moment while they're doing playtesting. So yeah. you might find a bug, but it's free and. Yeah. I always like free game. Free game good. And free it's game. so cute. Free as game well. do good. It's very cute. I love Pim. Um what else have we played? I played some more Secret of Monkey Island. Oh yeah, you finished that off, didn't you? Finished Secret of Monkey Island Remastered. It was fun. Um it was like the second game I ever completed, I think. Does it stand up to your memory of, of how you felt about it back it, in the day? It's the remaster, so there's that. Um but I, I don't super love the new control scheme they took the the verb menu off the bottom of the screen i suppose that did take up like half of the screen space <laughs> but and and it does look beautiful now i don't get me wrong but i feel like it misses something by taking that away whereas things like um i think the the full throttle one mm. has like a like you right click and it brings up a, a thing that you can um, is it right click or hold down left click? I think, and you can select the different verbs from the sort of tattoo graphic. And I think mm. Day of the Tentacle has a similar thing. Uh, Normality had something as well, like where it's a sort of a very basic on-screen thing that's easy to navigate. Whereas this, whereas with Monkey Island, I worked out far too late. If you press V, it will just bring up all the verbs, and you can click on them rather than trying to use the mouse wheel to scroll through them. Uh, but yeah, it's nice. The, the the graphical choices are good. The characters' voices are really nice. It's nice that they got um, the characters who played um, Guy Rush and uh, LeChuck to come back and, and, and I think possibly Aine as well to come back and like voice previous versions of those same characters. Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. The only problem I really have with my, um, the original Monkey Island is the first time you complete it, the insult sword fighting is just like is really fun, funny way of of getting through combat without making it like turning it into a fighting section. Like the Indiana Jones uh, point and click games had, um, like proper fighting sections in. Yeah. Whereas this tends to do it, it's just insult sword fighting. So you have to work out what is the best silly answer to whatever you've been shouted at. Yeah. Um, but. Having done that the first time, it's fun. Having com- I've completed the game so many times that that section now just feels like, yes, just say the thing. You need to say something that I haven't already got yet. Yeah. I, I just no, I need. And then like you get to a point where they just start giving up the fights on you. It's like no, I still need more answers and questions so that I can win this damn thing. Yeah. Please, but they're just like, oh no, I give up. You're good enough to fight the Swordmaster. I mean, I probably am, but I want. The full set. Or I, I don't want to lose the fight because I didn't have quite enough of the, the answers to the things. 
Apart from that, it's a fun little jaunt. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I enjoy I enjoy that game. Um and I'm thinking I might start on another LucasArts after this or possibly download Beneath Steel Sky again. Because oh, I do yeah. not remember how to play that damn thing. And I, I hear there's a sequel in the works. Ooh. That was recently announced. Um was it Beyond the Steel Sky, I think? Mm. Recently came up. I'm very hyped to see how that do. So then, is that everything I've played? Oh, that's everything I've played, yeah. Well then, time for this. <gasps> Right, thank you. Thank you very much for coming into this interview. Yeah, right. Um, so, uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, what makes you a good employee. You know, um, I mean, I'm here now, isn't that enough? Um, and where do you see yourself in five years? Um, it depends if you fired me or not, I guess. And what are your long-term goals within this employment? Um, are you going to pay me? What would you say your biggest strengths and weaknesses are? Um, I don't really care enough about anything to bother much, so that. Do you see yourself as much of a people person? No, I don't really care for people very much. I mean, you're really too much bother for me right now. And uh, how do you work as part of a team? Uh, I tend to let just other people get on with stuff and just ignore them. <sighs> well, you sound perfect. Welcome, you've been hired to be a universal credit assessor. Uh. Ah, another sunny summer's day. Thankfully, summer's arrived, everything's good. Oh no, no, oh no, I am, I am too shy. I am too shy, I am going to go, it's just too much pressure. Oh, Everyone oh. is out there oh. looking. Oh no, Summer, Summer, no, please, please don't go, please don't go, we're all very much enjoying your company, and we won't pay attention to you, we'll stop getting excited about the fact you're here. We... People in, in shirts, in, 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 in vests, people in vests, and they're buying barbecues, and it's not even warm yet. Well, we were, we were just excited about the sunshine, it's we don't get very much pressure. Of it. No, it's okay, it's okay, we just, we're happy to get as much sunshine as we can, and if we, if, if you, if you have to go, that's no problem, but... Please don't feel scared and like you have to go. There's too many. Everyone is... Oh, no. Oh, look, I'm so shy. It's okay. You can go back if you need to. Okay, I'm going behind the clouds, nobody. Ah, uh, and that's why summer only lasts two days in England. So, <gasps> what have you put in your eyes? Uh, there's one thing I've watched this week that I, uh, I got... I finished watching through today, which was a show called Tuca and Birdie. Is that the one uh, that looks very Bojack? Yeah, it's it's uh, by the producer of Bojack Horseman. Okay, and um, some of the artists. Uh, yes, the the art director. I believe the producer is also like the art director. Um, oh, okay. Also, someone that I have listened to a podcast from previously. Uh, they are on the Max Fun podcast, Baby Geniuses. I have never listened to that one. That that is one that I tried, and I was like, ah, gee, it wasn't quite hitting me right. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I might have to give Baby Geniuses another go because I clearly enjoy. I clearly enjoy this woman's work, but um, mm. yeah. So Tuka, Tuka and Bertie, Bertie. I always, I keep trying to call it Birdie. It's mm. Tuka, who is a toucan, mm. and Bertie, who is a birdie. Um, and it feels very, very much like the the female focused analog to something like BoJack Horseman. It's mm-hmm. unsurprising they they are both uh, on their surface comedies about characters who clearly have 
some things they need to work out in their life and they're not yeah. really addressing properly. Ah. And you have across the the season find out what's going on and what's causing the issues. But unlike Bojack Horseman, they actually sort their shit out and improve. Ah. It's not you, this is not a show where you're gonna get to like four seasons in and it's like, okay, you keep like acting like you've had an epiphany and then just doing the same bullshit all over. <laughs> Which like, don't get me wrong, Bojack I've I've enjoyed a lot of Bojack Horseman, Same. but it's nice to get a show like that where it actually feels like something meaningfully progressed. Well, um, it's the main character of... anyway. Yeah, so it definitely like I wasn't I wasn't sure how I felt about the show from the offset. It's not as it's not as instantly engaging as I found the first season of Bojack Horseman. Oh. Um. A lot of the early couple of episodes feel like they are trying to carve out an identity for themselves basically by being the rude animated show with women. So, like, there's a lot of stuff at the beginning where it's like, aha, that's, that's, oh, that's some cartoon boobs happening. And some, some stuff where it's just like, it, 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 hmm. It's not not funny. Like, it is funny, it's just, like, it feels like it's trying too hard Mm. in its early couple of episodes. And the serious stuff it's building to, it takes a long time in that season to build to. Mm. Um, It doesn't have as clear a, I I would guess, like, a mission statement up front of, like, this is what this show's whole deal is. Mm. Um, But once it really gets into its flow, it's quite it's quite a powerful show. I really enjoyed how it ended. Um, I will, and like, skip ahead 30 seconds if you want to avoid any spoilers, because I want to give a, a a content warning. Um, toward the end of season one, it does deal with some difficult themes, including childhood sexual assault. Um, so, I, th- th- I that is kind of a spoiler, but also like it feels important to put out there that that's a theme yeah, that's going to be. You don't really want to just go walking into that. Yeah, but like y- you basically have this pair of, of female protagonists, one of whom is completely like lazy to the bone, carefree. Like she sort of just saunters through life, relying on others to you know, keep everything from falling apart around her. Hmm. Um, Very much like reliant on her rich aunt's money to get by, reliant on emotional and labour support from her best friend. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you've got uh, this character, Bertie, who is very high-strung and very sort of... She struggles to not overthink things and over overplan things, and she's very anxious, very nervous. Mm. And they're two long-time best friends. Like the the dynamic you would describe as like um, they're like chalk and cheese. An odd couple. Yeah, they don't seem like they would be best friends, mm. but they are. And watching the the dynamics of like how they both got to be the kind of people they are, and what they see in each other. And their continuing female friendship is really interesting to see. Um, I very much enjoyed that first season. It's uh, I think it's maybe like eight episodes long that are about half an hour each. Mm-hmm. And are largely my positives really outweighed the negatives on it. Um, I have a lot of thoughts I want to get out about that show. I have a lot of things I feel the need to unpack um, about 
its portrayals of mental health in response to situations that more commonly affect women than than non-women. Uh-huh. And I found it a very interesting show. I'm glad mm. I gave it a watch. Uh, mm. What about you? I read Lumberjanes Volume 10, Parents' Day. Oh, tell <laughs> me about Parents' Day. I mean, without spoiling, it's, okay, yeah, it's, t- it's, <laughs> it's, it's Lumberjacks. Uh, Lumberjack, it's Lumberjanes. <laughs> uh, it's, it's more Lumberjanes. That wonderful, wholesome, pure... Lovely, queer uh, comic book about the 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 summer camp for awesome young lady types, mm. and yeah, it just continues to be wonderful and queer accepting. Except now there's parents in it. Hooray. They come for a visit, and and Joe is still working on a sensor array to try and understand the things and. Mm. There are obviously we get to see some of the interactions with the parents and in with Ripley's case grandparent as well. It's it's so beautiful and pure and wholesome and I love this. Mm. And there's 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 something going on with in in the forest. I I mean that's for anyone who's read Lumberjanes, there's always something going on in the woods. There's always something a bit Mysterious and otherworldly and yeah. supernatural, perhaps. It's not a mystery that there's a mystery afoot. Yeah, I mean we've had um Oh that's a that's a helicopter flying low. Indeed. We've had we've had issues with Greek gods, we've had issues with uh werebears, possibly. I don't know if that person counts um, as a werebear. Over there. That's where bear. That's where bear in the woods. <laughs> If we're bad in the woods. Um, and adorable raccoons like bubbles. Um, yeah, it's... I love this comic book so much. Um, and I, I love reading more of it. And I think there's more soon. I think we do more Lumberjanes soon. So yeah, I was I was very happy to read more of that. Yeah. Uh, the art, as always, is absolutely stunning. Uh, and it's such a lovely art style. Yeah. Oh. Anything else? Ah, we saw a thing together that was a physical place. Yeah. We went and explored some ruins of an abandoned factory. We did. It was it was bigger than expected. Yeah. I was expecting like one sort a building. of... Yeah, like a big building that you look around and go, oh yeah, this is a building. This certainly is a building. There's nothing in here. And that be it. But no, it was like a whole complex of... Yeah, I mean, there must have been like... Maybe fifteen odd structures. I I would hazard to say maybe even slightly more than that. It like because there was a lot of small buildings yeah. in that mix, and like there was definitely some of these buildings that like felt safer to root around <laughs> in than others. There's one I went up the stairs and was like, oh, yep. there's no floor. I'm going back downstairs. Yeah, that that building you went in where it was concrete stairs and then concrete floors upstairs. And then there was just this open in, into into nowhere, and I guess that's probably where maybe at some point they would have had a a crane or a pulley system for bringing. It was just a door to to a fall, a door to a, a twenty foot fall or something like that. <laughs> it was it was covered in a lot of graffiti. Really nice stuff. It it was really interesting trying to piece together the mystery of what had happened here because. Initially, a lot of assumption was just like, ah, you know, maybe it just like, you know, they couldn't afford it and it all fell down over time with age. Except there's that one section we were in where there were these 
melted things and we were trying to work out what it was and you was it you that worked out it, it was, was me that was like they I think this is like pallets of something yeah that have all been sort of stat, sat here as a stock and they've melted yeah and we worked out it was pallets of like tiny little chunks of of like meltable plastic yeah that had like the whole pallets had like melted and fused to the floor so it seems like this place probably went down in a pretty bad fire. Yeah, some kind of plastics manufacturer. Yeah, then there was no ability to like evacuate stock from the place before it went down, possibly. Wow. Yeah, and I mean the the yeah, there's a lot of ceilings that have burnt through, but it's difficult to tell at this point whether that happens as part of the factory coming down, or in the however many years since then. Some some of the bits are definitely like, oh, kids had a bonfire under yeah. this window and it's melted from the heat. Yeah. But like, that that one room in particular with the big pallets was like, oh, <laughs> at the very least, this building burnt down. Yes, there's like two timbers where a roof might yeah, have been at one point. But... And then, obviously, all the burnt stuff on the floor and just nothing else. Yeah, it was really fascinating. Like, we intended to make a quick trip and we ended up spending like an hour, hour and a half, probably. Yeah, I've got some brilliant photography. Yeah, I, I'm excited to, at some point soon, write a thing about us exploring there. And yeah, if you want, if you want ex- to use any of my pics, let me know. I do an abrish. Um, but yeah, it. I I really liked exploring abandoned um, places. Bit of urban exploration, yeah, or like, rural in this case. Yeah, it. This place certainly wasn't a mystery. We stumbled upon like across like three other groups wandering around. Yeah, while we people, were there. lots of people with cameras. Um, people who looked very artisty, Do, doing so. photo shoots. Um, yes. doing like. Um, costume shoots and things like that. Mm-hmm. It seems like the kind of place that would be perfect to do like a um. Uh, apocalypse and like student film. Oh yeah, I was thinking set. like while walking around there, like I'd love to, um, love to film a zombie movie there. To the yeah. point where I just sat there and was like, I'm gonna get my phone out and put um, in the house in a heartbeat on <laughs> <laughs> the 28 days later. Yeah, theme. It, it had a very like you could imagine a horde of people in like red food coloring draped over them running around a corner at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. Yeah, I've always liked the idea of places that were once like served a purpose and were built for something that now the world is slowly just reclaiming and that like partially being reclaimed by nature, partly being reclaimed by people who are like, ah, I, I don't have to own this place, I'm just going to use it. Yeah. Um, I've always found that fascinating. Mm. It's the same reason I love like uh, those those documentaries on YouTube about the people who... Uh, there's one, and I completely forget the specifics, but people scuba dived over to an abandoned island in Disney in Florida, and basically just went and explored this old abandoned uh, Disney park that's not in use anymore. Cool. Oh, I love stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What have you looked at this week? Well, I caught up with you, and <gasps> you got to see again. We watched that Detective Pikachu oh, hey. together this yes. time. Ah, how did you find it? Um, yeah, it's it's enjoyable. There is a lot of times where I was just rolling my eyes. There is there is some some ludicrousness. I like. I'm not going to say it's a perfect film by any means, but I'm I'm not going to do spoilers. But suffice to say, there was a, a bit sort of towards the end that made me think of 1989 Batman. Yeah, and I was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. hmm. So here's the thing, I. 
I've said this since I saw it the first time. Its overall pl- plot is predictable. That's like I mean, there's a few aspects of it that are a bit like it's, oh, okay. It's it's yeah, like it's it's overall plot is hey, this is a detective film for kids, so you're gonna fucking work it out if you're an adult very quickly. But like, there are surprises and fun things along the way. Yeah, it's it's a nice adventure. Yeah, it's a nice exploration of that world. Um, the characters are kind of silly. Yeah. Um, like, some of the acting's kind of so silly and everything. Now, now that it's out, I want to talk a little bit spoiler-free about, like, secretly my favourite character in that film, which is Lucy, the reporter, um, <laughs> who is... I wonder why I, I like this character, who is a female journalist who's basically like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm basically just like an unpaid intern, but I'm going to act like I'm a proper journalist and make it happen. Yeah. And... I just loved her fucking confidence. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, no, no. I don't care that all of these men are telling me there's no fucking story here. I'm going to follow my nose and find that story. She, She's the one with the high-vis jacket with oh, yeah, a box yeah. breaking into an Ubisoft. Yeah, no, like some... like she is the one who's like, I'm going to bullshit my way to to this story and I'm going to I'm gonna crack the case. Hell yeah. I loved... Like, her acting's cheesy and bland and things, but I I love that she's constantly trying way too hard to be a serious journalist. I'm like, oh, I have so much endearment for you. Yeah. Um, and there was... Um, there was... I'm not going to say who it was. Yeah. Or in what context, but <laughs> yes. there was a bit in the movie when I just turned to you and just went... Time they look like Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, yes, yes. There is indeed a character that I kept looking at and going, "You look like Milo Yiannopoulos." I, I want someone to punch you in the face. Um, but like, I really liked the interplay between our two main characters, but uh, Ryan yeah. Reynolds, Pikachu, and um, just uh, what's what's his character's name meant to be? Just uh, Justice Smith is the actor's name. Oh, Tim Goodman. That's the character name. Because he's a good man. He's a good man. It's yeah, I know. It's one of those names. <laughs> but I, I thought they did the balance of like they did their funny scenes very well together. They had good chemistry. Mm-hmm. And then when it got serious time, I was like, I buy your seriousness. This yeah. is quite sweet. Yeah. Um, did have to question like much as I I, I enjoy Bill Nye's acting in many things. <laughs> I did have to question why they got an able-bodied actor to play a disabled person. Yes, yes, there is that. I. Without getting into spoiler territory, there are some... I have my complaints and gripes about that particular performance. I mean, that... Yes. Yeah. But, but I mean, it largely boils down to me is, like, why get an able-bodied character? Well, for, for, me, for me, it's A, why get the able-bodied actor? And... Because they were willing to cast, like, you know, unknown faces in a lot of the yeah. other roles. Uh, um, and you've got... Honestly, you've got Ryan Reynolds drawing in the people. You don't need Bill Nye there. Yeah. Um, but Which he, I like seeing him. Yeah, the other thing is, like, eh, grimace at some of the tropey stuff going on with that character. But um, I, I really enjoyed that film. Yeah, we, I, we, I, I like seeing the Bulbasaurs. Yeah. I love Bulbasaurs. I know they're adorable, right? They are adorable. <laughs> I... I still think that that scene with the Mr. Mime might be my favourite thing in the film. I want to see what happens after that. Yeah, yeah, right. I want an extended version of that scene where we find out what happens You see what I mean now when I say this film does a good job at tiptoeing into adult themes in ways (laughs) that they're like, okay, we want to do the thing, but we can't because it's a film for kids. How can we find a way? I mean, there was two things about that scene that... 
made me want more of this. Yeah. Um, one was the fact that Ryan Reynolds had said that there is enough cut <laughs> material that they could make an R-rated version of that film. Yeah. I would love to see oh, that version. I would love to as well. I want that. Please do an unreleased version of that. Just do a normal kids version and one for the rest of us. I want I want Detective Deadpool. Yeah. I want to see that version. The other thing is that they're... That that scene, when I saw it in trailers, I just thought, Mr. Mime looked fucking creepy. But but actually watching the film like on a big screen, I was like, actually, it's not as bad as I thought and, it was. And any creepiness... If anything, Ricky Tongue was worse. And any creepiness that there was there for Mr. Uh, for Mr. Mime was like, they did enough to justify, like, we're making him creepy so that this works. I don't, actually, I, I think by the, by, the, by the time they were actually getting to the sort of interviewing Mr. Mime, which is in the trailer, so it's not really yeah. a spoiler, um, like, he actually looked kind of sweet. In, in well, some, they actually looked kind of yeah, sweet. We in, don't know. In some moments, yes. Well, I, I always default to male pronouns because Mr. Because Mr. Mime, yes. but like, obviously, yeah. But thinking about it, are there female Mr. Mimes? I... I cannot remember. I should probably know that. That's a Pokemon fact. I can't remember if I know. Like, I know, because isn't there a thing later on where, like, Pokemon have gender as well? As well as, because I know, like, the whole Nidoran... Yeah, so, mm, yes. Other than legendaries, most Pokemon can have gender in the games. Um, All the legendaries non-binary? Awesome. uh, Yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely think there were some cool surprise things that I did not expect. Um... I have my complaints about it, but I just watching that film, I was like, I think this is the best job they could have done yeah. of we're gonna make a live action Pokemon film and not have it feel really just cheesy and cash in ish. Mm. Um, I, I thought it was generally kind of like the the sort of I'm I'm gonna say delightful in yeah. in that sort of way that kids' movies are when you're a kid. It's like, yeah, I feel a level of delight about this. That's that's the thing. It's, as an adult, I got to feel childlike delight at watching a film. Like, it yeah. might not have been a good film, but I felt like a giddy yeah, child going... Just like, it's like, oh, I hope they're going to be okay. Oh, I'm enjoying the world. Oh, I'm enjoying the characters. Yay. And I, um, I don't know if I mentioned this last week, the whole thing about the the person that does those like real-life versions of cartoon yes, characters. Yes, yes. The fact that they were involved in, in the movie. Mm. Because I've loved their versions of, of the Pokemon. Especially Bulbasaur. Which is good, because we got more Bulbasaur. I thought the Charmanders were a little bit peculiar. Their liked... heads are a bit big. I liked the Charmanders. The one that got me was the Gengars. The Gengars creeped me out. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, so what about you? What Not else have you... in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what else have you seen? <laughs> Dubstep Loudrids. Uh, I watched uh, An Evening with Griffin McElroy at Florida State University I have no idea what this is It's An Evening with uh, Like a Griffin McElroy at Florida State University Just talking to students about Doing a a solo talk thing A a solo talk about his career Really Okay. Like how he got into games journalism And sort of where he's been with his life and the period of time when he was just working too fucking hard and, and yeah. not having a good work-life balance and dialing <laughs> that back now that he's a parent and yeah. sort of, you know, the how he has felt about all the things. Um, and they also talk about, like, the childhood stuff, like um, losing his mum 
because obviously I was aware that was a situation, but it it obviously hadn't been talked about in anything else I'd watched. So that was quite a sad. St- I had a little cry. We've been talking about talking about that, um, and yeah, and about sort of how McElroy family stuff got done and how they joined Max Fun and yeah. How they because it's been talked about before that McElroy's weren't always as woke as they are now. Yeah, which I suppose when you grow up Southern Baptist is not difficult to not be that woke because yeah we've known about this as a thing. But they they've been real good at doing the th- like I don't mind if someone's not particularly woke at the start if they act like the McElroy's where they're like we will take stuff on board we will learn we will improve and like. They have yeah. they have like largely improved and then not made the same fuck ups after yeah. they've improved on them. Um, he talks about the fact that that a lot of that came from starting at Max Fun. Yeah, because they'd gone from being three brothers who you know were from a small town and and that's just how things were. Yeah, to joining Max Fun, who already had a large queer audience, and. They were a very patient queer audience who yeah. were willing to go, hey, that's not cool. Yeah. And here's why. And there is, I think in some context, people are just are, are not willing to, to have those conversations with with others. Mm. And then, I don't know, maybe if I had started listening to Mabim Bam right from the beginning, mm. I would have had more problems. And I've listened to what Mabim Bam and just gone, no, I'm not. No. Not this episode, perhaps. Yeah. Um, but obviously, having come into it at the pretty much the end of of the balance arc of of the Avengers yeah. game, to sort of hear what they like now, I am perhaps a bit more forgiving. And the fact that you know they have learned to be yeah. better. Well, like there's some really good examples. Balance has some examples that they addressed very directly to the audience while mm-hmm. things were going on. Um, such as. I think it was. I think it was like the second, uh, maybe maybe the third arc of balance. Uh, mm. Pedals to the metal. Pedals. Uh, yeah, p- pedals. Pedals to the metal. Petals. Pe- petals. I'm pretty sure I said it one way and you corrected me, and I said <laughs> I it the way you corrected. I said now. petals both times. Did I not say petals the first it time? It didn't sound like it. Okay, <laughs> petals to the metal. Okay. Um, in in which I've forgotten my fucking talking point now. Um. Yes, your gaze they, alive. Yeah, they, they, they did the kill your gaze trope at the end and they addressed that and they made a big point to, you know, avoid that in the future uh-huh. and they had some really good conversations about it. Yeah. Um, and like, for example, when they got around to introducing a trans character in Balance, they were like, hey, we're just gonna people, help help us before we introduce this character so we don't fuck up. Uh-huh. And they, were, they, they did good. They did do they, good. They're some good boys. They are good, good boys. They are, as they say, the good, good boys. The good, good boys. Uh, I've also watched just a butt ton of drawfee. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying those those people what do draw things. Uh, I particularly like the SCP video because I've always quite liked the SCP stuff. I think there's two of those now. Mm. Uh, so I watched that. I've watched the um, drawing characters from Silent Hill they've never seen. Mm. That was <laughs> was a fun episode. A fun couple of episodes. Um, I watched uh, Dark Souls bosses as Disney characters today, and and the the big wolf I was very cute. Yeah, that's so cute. <laughs> um, I I mean, I think that's one of the few Dark Souls bosses I've seen because I've never played a Souls game or mm. a Born game. 
A Souls or a Born. I've not played a Souls or a Born or a Souls Born. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I'm very much enjoying all the good, good art people. <laughs> um, one other thing I watched was uh, Renegade Cut's new video came out today. Yeah. That's Tuesday. Um, at the time of recording. And that's uh, Transphobia in Popular Media. And it's about sort of transphobic tropes that have sort of gone on and 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 why they are tropes and why things need to change and be better and yeah i can certainly think of a few of those I that mean, exist like going back to things like um silence of the lambs and more recently things like um assignment which i think was originally oh. going to be called reassignment with yeah. michelle rodriguez yes yes that that that, that one that one that <laughs> thing <laughs> Um, yeah, and as Le- as usual, usual, Leon has done a very good job of of yeah. media and ana- analysing those. Ah, uh, can I just bring up one trope that's like probably not the most harmful trope, but it's one that just really fucking annoys me mm-hmm. about trans people. It's always giving trans women in media surnames or first and last names that are puns about their their trans status. Yep. Like lots of a man, uh, um, Amanda's Amanda. a man, duh. Amanda, yep, for yep, example, yep, uh, yep. or or just um, but lots of female versions of of male name. Yeah, a lot of um, Ida, Ida Dick. Uh, uh, a lot of shit like that. That's oh the, yeah, they they do address um, uh, Ace Ventura as well. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. Have you, have you watched anything else? No, that's it for me. Well then. <gasps> Time for this. <gasps> Laura, Laura, we've got a new sponsor. Who's our new sponsor? This week's sponsor is Salty Nut Butters. Okay. All of your favourite nut butters to put in your face. D- tell me about these nut butters. They've got all your favourite nut butters. Do you like almonds? Yeah. They've got almond butter. Do you like cashews? Yeah. They've got cashew butter. How do you feel about peen? Do you like peen? Peen? Peanut butter. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was unsure how to answer uh, that question. It seemed inappropriate. Have for a mouthful of peen. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can try all of the different nut butters. They even do a mixed nut butter. Uh, it's just like uh, just all of the nut butters all just churned together uh, and just uh, all, all them nuts right in my face. Absolutely, you can get all, all the nuts in your face. You can and you can use them like in recipes and things. Yeah, yeah and, and you can use them as as like a like a, like a, a dressing for other foods. You can like shoot some over buns. You, you could. could Dribble a, a, a dollop in your in your dinner. Yeah, you you could a flick some over nut. some melons for a tasty snack. Oh. Um, spurt a little nut butter on your ice cream. Oh heck! Yeah, then uh, why not use it? Uh, maybe in the in the sort of the crust for a delicious green pie. And oh. um, yeah, so we we have all these different types of nut butter. Get absolutely mouth watering nut butters, uh, um, and you know just enjoy the salty oh. flavour. Just, uh, just sticking to your gums. Oh, that salty, gooey nut. It's, I, I, yeah, it's, it's just dribbling down your chin. You've got to enjoy <laughs> the salty nut butters. So head on over to salt, saltybutter.nut. 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 <laughs> and get, uh, 12% off your first smattering of nut butters. Uh, just your first order. Your first gooey load. Delivered straight, uh, your, a gooey load delivered straight to your face of your favourite nut butters. 12% off with the special offer code Q&PS67. I, I, I'm just sad it's not 69% off. I know, right? It's almost <laughs> like I used this thing too early. 
So that's salty nut, saltybutters.nut. Head over there and get your things for a delicious mouthful of nuts. Mm. Welcome to our new compilation album, Sequels to Songs That Didn't Need Sequels. On this 12-disc collection, find such wonderful sequels to songs that didn't need sequels as We Stopped Living in That Yellow Submarine, It Was Quite Deep Down There, by The Beatles. I'm getting the help I need and am genuinely okay now, by My Chemical Romance. (laughs) We realised the machines were chill and stopped raging against them, by Rage Against the Machine. Aftercare for Eileen, followed by a group effort with Mops, by Dexy's Midnight Runners. Bridge Over Waters That Eventually Calmed Down, by Simon and Garfunkel. I am going to give you up, because we've grown apart as people, by Rick Astley. <laughs> Sorry, that smell wasn't teen spirit, it was just body odour, by Nirvana. <laughs> <laughs> Burned Up on Reentry Man, by Elton John. Heaven Wouldn't Let You In, so here's a slide back down to hell, by Led Zeppelin. <laughs> you still can't touch this, learn to respect boundaries, damn it. By MC Hammer. <laughs> no, there isn't life on Mars. By David Bowie. <laughs> Order now and get the bonus track. Oops, we were arrested for stalking by the police. Do <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes. 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 What have you put in your ears, darling? And uh, my ears, uh, I listened to some music this week, which Ooh. I haven't done in a, in a while. Or well, I'm on a coach for a very long time. I, I, listened, listen I listened to some new music and then cared enough about it to talk about it. Um, so I quite enjoyed a track uh, that we listened to in the kitchen yesterday, DMT by yeah. The Sidekicks. Well, that sounded good. Yeah, um, it's sort of a rocky track with quite an energetic uh, light tone to it. Um, lyrically, it talks a lot about how identity is quite a malleable, subjective thing, and how chemicals like those released in death can help us, can help people to sometimes more clearly see how to reshape yourself in some aspects. Cool. Um, because that's, that's a fun bit of, of info that you taught me. Yep. DMT... Which, yeah, it's 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 a drug that is sometimes consumed recreationally as a psychoactive um, psychedelic substance. Well, sometimes re- recreationally, sometimes for very specific religious purposes. Indeed, there's that too. Um, but also, it's released in in your brain in quite large quantities when you die. Yeah, and yeah, that's the thing. Um, what about you? What have you listened to this week? What have I listened to? Um... What have I listened to? Um, honestly, I I have this terrible, terrible memory. <laughs> so I've been listening to Badly Designated Heroes from well, start to finish. Reminding yourself of your story so far. The, the problem is, like, we tend to record a few episodes ahead. Mm. So very often listening to what's up hasn't been helpful for knowing what's coming next. That's totally fair. Because it's like, I know... Uh, what was going on six episodes ago? I don't know what's happening now. Yeah. Um, we're starting to catch up on ourselves a little bit now. We're, we're running out of that buffer, but like, it was nice to just sort of go, ah. Oh. And also, the other problem is sometimes with a podcast. Yeah. Um, if I'm not actively engaged in the conversation at that yeah. moment, I can just start to dissociate. Yeah. And, and just like, 
I noticed it more recently because there have been times when someone's gone, Jane, what do you want to do? And I'm like, ah, what the fuck's going on? <laughs> Literally what's happening, yeah, I have no idea. That's fair. I occasionally have to do that myself. <laughs> um, so it's been sort of nice to be able to catch up and listen to things and, and sort of come break my theories down about it's, what's going on. It's sometimes nice to just have a reminder as well about your character in their journey and what their motivations have been over time. And yeah, generally overarching plot stuff as yeah. well because like I I just we've been recording this for what I think probably over six months now, and yeah. I just like I've forgotten. I don't yeah. know what happened. That's that's the thing. Like I uh, with the season of Dice Funk, we take like nine months to record a season yeah. somewhere around that, and it's really easy to forget the specifics of what you did or what was important to your character or who so and so is. Yep. I mean, you can make notes, but. That'll only get you so far. Indeed. But yeah, so, and it, it helps that um, because Becky's doing study things at the moment, I've been helping out with the editing. So I've been listening to sort of some of the more recent stuff as we've been putting up episodes. So that made me sort of go, I need to know what's going on. Because yeah. there's clearly things that have happened in the past that are being referenced back, and I'm not always getting them. Yeah. I, I, I had this problem sometimes doing... Um... I've completely forgotten there. Polyarmory. Ah. Uh, where, where my brain would just be like, I, 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 my brain has just forgotten entirely about this plot thread. There, there was a lot going on in that series, to be fair. <laughs> um, I, I think I probably had enough for several seasons of that show. Yes. And, and I was, I was always trying to sort of weave little bits in. And I think sometimes there was too much weaving. Yeah. Leaving everyone going, where are we going? What are we doing, and why? <laughs> that's that's the thing is when there's too many threads, it's like, wait, which one of those am I supposed to be pulling out? Yeah, and like, yeah, I get, I, I get that, that was the thing. It's, so it's it's a difficult balancing thing to do when you tell a narrative over nine months. It is, and the other thing is like, there's been a few times recently where people have been busy. Yeah. So we've had to miss a week's recording, and then I'll go back and go. I've forgotten how to use my character. <laughs> so it's been quite helpful to listen back and going, ah, oh, yeah, I do this, don't I? And it makes my life so much easier. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I know the basics of D&D, and I've known them for ages. Yeah. But sometimes I just, like, forget mechanically how to use certain things together. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I've enjoyed that. Yeah. As, as self-congratulatory as that I, might sound. I sometimes will go back and listen to Dice Funk. Is, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything. Oh, I listened to, um, some drum and bass. Ooh. I listened to Emotional Vampire by High Contrast. It was brought up as a track that regularly used to get played at a night a lot of my friends used to go to. Yeah. And it's always one that will get a whole club absolutely having it. Yeah. Absolutely going apeshit too, and it was brilliant. Mm. Um, so that was a nice memory this afternoon. Heck, what about you? What have you what been about me? I've got. Uh, have you got anything else? That is everything. Okay, I will go through my remaining couple of tracks, sort of back to back. Yeah. Um, I went and listened to a track I've not listened to in a while called "Homunculus" by the band Area Eleven. Uh, fast-paced rock track about the anime Full Metal Alchemist. Ooh. Uh, I listened to Station Wagon, uh, not wagon, but wagon like a tail mm-hmm. by uh, Pretty Balanced. Uh, femme vocals. Um, a piano that's got a sound that that's very reminiscent of like an old west saloon, like a honky tonk piano. Yeah, honky tonk st- style piano. Mm-hmm. Um, 
really quite erratic piano line that's quite hard to predict, um, that's paired with a percussion line that sounds like it's made up of not instruments, but made up of things like uh, clicking your, your th- uh, clicking your hand, uh, thumping the table, stomping, lots oh, cool. of lots of very like human percussion sounds. Oh, yeah, okay. Um, uh, lyrically about moving out and learning to support yourself as an adult. Mm. Uh, quite a nice track. I enjoyed a track called Saturn SUV by Fredo Disco. How much is that, Fredo? Um, d- disc. Uh, no, I couldn't work out how to turn disco into a price. Um, s- single, uh, like it's a single electric guitar with minimal distortion on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, vocal track is singing about like dealing with hormones and depression and wanting things that are erratic and trying to like think of the future in a way that's not as cluttered as hormonal depression can make thoughts of the future. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sung and played with the kind of energy that and erraticism that feels appropriate for the lyrical topic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it for the things I've listened to. So... So, time for this. So, like, did you know? Yeah. That, like, there, there, there's no real obligation for people to try and make anything better, right? Everyone yeah. thinks it's all being taken care of. It's all being dealt with by. This uh, shadowy, like, big overshadowing thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What would what, yeah. what you say? Well, you know, it's it's Big Pharma. Isn't it? Oh, yeah, Big Pharma. I've heard yeah. about that. You know, they're sort yeah. of pulling the strings. They're sort of controlling yeah. controlling all those things, what go in our bodies, isn't they? Yeah, rummaging around and, you know. Yeah. Controlling making... our, our bodily health. Yeah, and all the, the, all the fluff. Yeah. All the all the lint and stuff. Yeah. Making sure that's all there. Um, you know, uh, it's it, sometimes you can smell things that are bad and a bit countryfied, and uh, hear tractors and stuff. Tractors. Yeah. What What are you on about tractors? Well, it, it turns out right. Yeah. We all live in the pocket. Of a big farmer. Oh, so it's not about that drug thing. It's the no, 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 no. no, no, no. Actually, uh, you know, we live in the pocket of the big farmer. Of a big oh, farmer. big farmer, like a big farmer. No, oh, with a track. That makes so much more sense about right, the right? Yeah, the <laughs> you never wonder where all the fluff comes. Yeah, from. like every time I'll do my. You know, a tumble dryer, yeah. there's all that lint in there. I go, where'd yeah. that come from? Exactly. There's it's... all this grey lint. Exactly. My clothes aren't grey. No, it's not, no. It's not. Um, you know, the skin cells of socks. Although, I have to tell you some things about the skin cells of socks another oh. time, perhaps. But, it's all... All the lint. It's all the pocket it's, lint. From it's the, from Big Farmer. From the Big Farmer. Oh. You know. Oh, I think he's coming to hand. Big hand, big hand, big hand, big hand. Big hand, big hand. Oh. <laughs> I've been working in this town for 25 years, but never until today, and I come across a case like this. The mystery spoke for itself. 
millions of people worldwide were being flummoxed by some serial prankster with impossible-to-solve conundrums. Can you find the red balloon? See, the trick here is that I thought I could see the red balloon. It was right over there. I told the presenter themselves, but they didn't listen. Clearly I must have been wrong. Where is the red balloon? I tried again. It's right there. It's right there, goddammit! It's there! See, here's the problem. I thought I'd said that. Was I slightly off? Had I miscalculated? Had I had I failed to understand the, the, the true depths of the complex topic here? Was I really not meant to be locating the balloon, but, you know, working out where the studio was that the balloon was in rather than where it was on the screen? What was I missing? Now find the green ball! I'd had enough. This was one case I was never gonna solve. Can you find the green ball? No, I can't. You know that damn well. Yes! There it is! The biggest failure of my career. There's the green ball. Right, sorry. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at springing things on you. You, you started to prepare something, and I, I feel very rude if I jump in and go, No, we're doing my thing. <laughs> I, thought the point, I thought that was the point. <laughs> I feel like we need to make some version of this the intro to this segment. <laughs> Maybe we'll just like fade into this conversation. I was supposed to surprise Jane with with us doing this segment, but I feel very bad surprising her with things. <laughs> so, hello, we're doing another segment of um sawbones or vegan beginners. Ooh. Uh <laughs> Ah, uh, it's that time again. I'm very sorry I'm bad at surprising you with things. How them vegan noobs do. Yeah. <coughs> it's okay. <coughs> oh no. How them first time vegans do. How well, them do. I need to find my list of how them vegans, how them vegans be doing. Um, right. So, first up, we have a photograph of a sticker that was uh, spotted in a town somewhere. And I'm going to describe this sticker to you. It's a blue sticker on the back of like a, a signpost with a, a water drop with a skull in it. And next to it, it says, Fluoride, there is poison in the tap water. Um, Sawbones? It's in Vegan Beginners. What? It was in, ve- it was in the vegan one. Oh. It was, just... in, it was in First Time Vegans. Well, just... Uh... Uh, so, uh, here's a little history lesson for everyone. There is fluoride in the water. It's not poison. It's there because, like... People's uh, teeth go black. Yeah, people's teeth were in really bad state, and, like, it was a real problem, and people basically went, hey, we can put fluoride in the water, and people's teeth will be better. Yeah. It makes your teeth better, and it doesn't have any adverse health effects. It's not poison. It's... The conspiracy theory I've seen is that it's mind control. That fluoride is supposed to be mind control chemicals. Okay, friend. You have no fluoride in your water, and let's see what your teeth look like in six months. Yeah. Um. Right. So this is this is a uh, a screenshot of a, of a post. Um, okay. I will be teaching how and why tapping actually works. Tapping one hundred and one, aka how to actually do it. How to write your own tapping scripts based on your own cognitive distortions. Tapping to stop a panic attack. And so much more. Um, so, are you aware of the pseudoscience thing of tapping? Is it anything like pegging? <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. 
Then, um, is it like a, a, a tapping on parts of your body, like pressure points, maybe? Yeah, okay. yeah, pretty much. It's, it's, imagine acupuncture. Right. But instead of needles, okay. you tap. And like, I'm, I'm not discount. Like, when you say tap, do you mean, like, just repeatedly poke with a finger? Or do you mean jam a, 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 one of those portable taps in, like you get for maple trees? No, 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 just like, <laughs> just your finger going. And okay. here's the thing I want to be clear up front. I am not going to discredit that the act of tapping in and of itself can be useful if you have an anxiety thing. Right. I'm someone who stims. I do yeah, tap. Same. But, like, I tap myself because it's, like, predictable sensory input and it helps calm me down when I'm anxious. I don't believe that depending on where I tap, I'm going to fix serious chronic physical issues. Physical issues. Like, ah, I have a stomach bug. If I tap behind my ear, that'll make the stomach bug go away. Ah, uh, yes, I can cure my entire lymphatic system by tapping my knee. Yeah, like, yeah. tap on the inside of your kneecap if you've got cancer or whatever. Oh, yeah, that'll get rid of it. Yeah, that. cool. So, uh, the tapping post, do you think it came up in Sawbones or the vegan page? Please, Sawbones, please be Sawbones. It came up in Sawbones. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I like to think the vegans are that ridiculous. Yeah. Um... So, I'm now going to share some of a news story that popped up in one of these Ooh. groups. Um, new, I'm just going to read the headline first. Da, 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 da. New York judge rules in favour of unvaccinated children spreading measles with impunity. <laughs> uh, this, is on, this is an article from splinternews.com. I don't know who that is. Just... Uh, yeah, I know, and that's why I told you, because I'm like, ah, it's not going to help you. Um, not. Um, um, hmm. So, I just, hmm. can I just well, we say... Know, we know the vegans can't be trusted with vaccinations, apparently. Can I just say how much I love that title? Because I know, <laughs> here's the thing, I've got the news story here, I know what they're going for. Right. But, New York judge rules in favour of unvaccinated children spreading measles with impunity. Uh, is this some? It sounds like some Tory plan to kill the poor. <laughs> I mean, they've been trying to kill the poor for years, so I mean, this probably isn't terribly far off. Um, can I say it's the vegans? It's in Sawbones. Oh, so I'll explain this news story because I think it's the, the the headline doesn't in. I understand what they were going for with the headline. Right. Basically, in um, New York, they were trying to stem the flow of measles by um, understand by, by putting a fine for anyone who went out in public who wasn't vaccinated. Well. It, it was basically get yourself vaccinated, or you will you will face fines. You won't mm. be able to like partake in public life. You're making everybody's yeah. lives more. We're trying dangerous. to stop like an outbreak, an epidemic. Um, however, after just ten days, unfortunately. Um, a state judge ruled against this and basically was like, hey, we're doing an injunction, you've got to stop that ban, um, you've got to, you can't ban children from going to school. It's an American. It, it basically boiled down to your ban prevents children from going to school unless they're vaccinated. Well, they might, might infect other people. Yeah, that is preventing children from going to school, that makes the ban unconstitutional. And it's like, but, it's, they're, they're, they are a risk of illness. They, like, it's not like they're banned from school. They're banned from school without making sure they don't make anyone sick. Um, Yeek. Yeah. It, 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 basically, New York was trying to do both fines and short-term jail sentences for parents who, you know, 
took their unvaccinated kids into schools. Um, so yeah, that that was that was the the story. Um, yes. there there is one last thing from the story that I want to um highlight, which is um from the Washington Post. Um, oh. anti-vaxxers reacted pretty much as you'd expect to this news, and here is the quote from the Washington Post: After Rockland's County's ban, um. Anti-vaccination activists likened the public health measures to the Nazi persecution of Jews that included forcing them to wear yellow stars. That is how anti-vaxxers were referring to the fact that they were told to get vaccines. Um, The the, the ban did help in its short ten days. They got uh, 500 additional vaccinations done um, Mm -hmm. above their expectations. Um, They... They they believed they were going to be able to get up to about ninety three percent immunization if they'd been able to keep that in place. Um, wow. but yeah. Oh, let me have a look. I think I've got some more stories here. Ooh. Let me have a look. Um. Okay, are you ready for the next one? Shoot. This is this is a visual graphic with some pictures of uh, various plants. I think blackberries are one of them. One of them's a cactus. And it says, did you know, for every human illness, there exists a plant which is the cure? I mean, no. (laughs) No, you don't think that there is a plant out there that cures every illness on this planet? I mean, nightshade, if you take enough of it, will sort your illness out. Um, It'll sort everything out because you'll be is, dead. Is this is this uh, over enthusiastic early vegans or is this sawbones? Probably the vegans. It's the vegans. Of course, it's the vegans. I'm, oh no! I'm I, I apologize for those who share my dietary desires. Um. Okay. Okay. I have another one. Okay. Yep. Okay. Let's go. One more. One more. Okay. This is an image of um a woman just holding her hand in the air, mm-hmm. and the text says. I hold my hand up in the air sometimes, saying, hey, oh, it's pseudoscience. No? Well, they are saying some pseudoscience, Ooh. but they're not saying that word for word. Um, maybe, actually, plants are farming. <laughs> sorry. No, I'm sorry, you, 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 you can't start like that. Maybe, actually. That is how it starts. Please, continue. <laughs> I can't start this now. Maybe, actually, plants are farming us, giving us oxygen until we eventually decompose and they can consume us. They need to do a better job. (laughs) They they need to do a better job. In fact, if I were plants, I'd suggest a cull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, maybe maybe reap some of what you've you've sown. Maybe the richest 1%, if we could start with them. Yeah, so maybe actually plants are farming us, giving us oxygen until we eventually decompose and they can consume us. This is like my weird maggot theory. Which theory is this? Maggots only eat dead things, so the easiest way to get more dead things is kill us so that they can eat us. Yeah. Um. So which which group is this in? Is it in sawbones or vegan beginners? Vegan beginners. So, it is, but 
But that's not the punchline of this one. It's in both of them, isn't it? No. Okay. Wait for the punchline, because this is the best. This was shared very, very seriously in this particular vegan Facebook group. Okay. It was created on 9gag.com, which is a terrible, (sighs) shitty meme-making site. Uh, The watermark is still on there for 9gag.com. Oh my goodness. Um, This was a joke post meant to satirise... Uh, vegans and vegan beliefs mm-hmm, that was mm-hmm. shared as a serious post in this particular Facebook really, post. Really genuinely seriously. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm going to give that the Picard double face palm. Uh, <laughs> I have one final one to oh, do. Oh, heck. Uh, and this is an article uh, that was on medium.com mm. uh, and it's basically... It is an article debunking some vegan beliefs about food. Right? Like that the plants are farming us. And like the plants are farming us. So I'm going to give you a couple of examples of things they debunk. Okay. Have you heard that, that rumour that um, cheese is as addictive as opiates because it contains a thing that's kind of sort of like an opiate and that's why you're addicted to cheese? Wasn't Yeah, wasn't it something to do with cheese mites or something? I, I, uh, I heard a thing... Yeah, I think I may have heard this, yeah. So, casomorphines are a thing that's allegedly in cheese, and Ooh. it's like getting and people heard to morphine, morphine and went, oh. Yeah. Uh, no, that's that's absolute bollocks. That's like, yeah, you're, addicted to, you're addicted to cheese because it's Does got it a bunch good? of... It, it tastes good and it's got f- lots of fat in it. It's basically just fat and your body likes fat because it's an energy source. My um, body likes fat. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a belief that broccoli has more protein than steak. No. It doesn't. I yeah, I wouldn't have believed that. No, um, maybe a great sausage roll. And, but... <laughs> and the last, one, the last one I bring up that it debunks is, and this is the thing I've seen a lot in vegan Facebook pages that vegans don't get cancer. What? There is a belief that if you, if you're vegan, you don't get cancer, and if you I get mean, you cancer get... while you're vegan, you fucked up somewhere <laughs> and you accidentally ate a. Wow, that's some animal thing. bullshit. Yeah. Um. So I, I reckon. Mm. That, it's, it's debunking vegan I think myths. You, I think you might not be so prone to certain types of cancer, but I, I, there's definitely no way that it's no no cancer at all for you, yeah. vegans. So the debunking vegan myths is it in sawbones or vegans? <sighs> I could so easily be either. We've had a lot of vegan beginners once tonight. I think it's vegans. It is. The, the vegans group did redeem themselves at the end of the night by debunking some of their own myths. I, I felt it was important because I, I'm well aware... <laughs> this redemption tale. I'm well aware that this this segment of the podcast could come across like I'm slamming these groups. There's a lot of really nice content in these groups. There's a lot of really useful stuff in mm. there. And there's a lot of people who do know their stuff and who do call out pseudoscience, like this particular poster who was mm. like, hey, here's a bunch of myths I see in this Facebook group all the time. Mm. I'm going to debunk them so it's it's not entirely a group of people that are you know spouting pseudoscience well, there, and I, there, I wanted to give some balance there are people who are very compassionate about animals there are people who like me have to do it for, for health reasons yeah so like there are, there's there's like good stuff to be done by vegans like and the, just the improvements for the number of animals that are being hurt because like a lot of vegans will also use like not tested on animal products yeah um, there are people that are only food-based vegans, and that's fine. Yeah, the, because generally it's just better for the animals in the world. The, but the that's more, so much 
hippie yeah. yogurt weaving bullshit. The, the more you do to reduce harm to animals, the yeah. better, in, in in my opinion. But equally, like, don't make shit the, up. <laughs> the the thing that spawned me doing this segment was, and we've got a variation that we might do on this in the future. But um, mm-hmm. the the thing that spawned this was me seeing someone go, "Hey, I convinced my friend to not get chemotherapy and to instead do a vegan diet," and I'm like, "That's." That's where I draw the line. Is I'm like, the, we, the I like this should never come across as this segment is me making fun of people who are vegan. This is me making fun of people who believe in pseudoscience, and unfortunately, that seems to come depressingly part and parcel with yeah with a lot of early vegans. <laughs> There's there is a certain type of vegan that is very much in you know uh, like. Yeah, let's use crystals and broccoli to cure, cure all our ills. Literally all of our ills. It's like, hey, if you want to use those as well, go ahead. But yeah. like, don't talk your friend out of chemo. And we have joked quite extensively on this show before about homeopathy. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, the power of placebo is incredible. Read about yeah. it. It's but, absolutely fascinating. Yeah. But... There Don't... are medical conditions that require actual medical intervention that is not dealt yeah. with by onion water that's not got any onion in it. Yeah. It Pardon. feel free to use these things alongside healthcare. Don't use them yeah. instead of healthcare. Yeah. And let's not have any of the bullshit of well, if you keep taking the chemotherapy then the homeopathy won't work. Because you're genuinely hurting people. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, that's been another episode of Sawbones or Newbie Vegans. Mm-hmm. Uh, time for this. So, you know what it is that I want to see more of? What do you want to see more of? I want to see more of those Brochely Justice Warriors. The Brochely Justice Ones? Hello, Larry. Hello, Barry. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate, not bad, mate. I've recently uh, done my uh, my civic duty, voted in the local elections. Oh, yeah, yeah, so did I, so did I. How'd it go for you? Well, you know, I voted. I uh, got to harass the Tories standing outside doing the exit poll. That was always fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, t- yeah, you, you know, what, how are you feeling about those uh, European ones coming up? Well, a little bit concerned, you know, there's the, uh, there's there's a lot of, uh, there seems to be a lot of blatant racism trying to get into the whole MEP thing, you know, and especially considering we've already had Farage there for ages, oh, who goodness, yeah. recently described himself as coming out of ceremony retirement. Oh, goodness. He's Considering tra- he's been uh, uh, the MEP for a while. Also, like, how, many, how many times has he tried to retire at this point? Uh, it's not just that. Basically, no. he's just saying that he spent the last God knows how many years doing piss all yeah. with his position. Someone that claims to be, you know, a man of the people who's standing up for things hasn't actually voted also, yeah. to help any of these things. Also, also, you know, why does he want to be in European Parliament if he doesn't like Europe? Surely you should just bugger off. Well, Leave European elections alone. But, you know, well, it's, just, know, it's all the front, isn't it? It's, oh, it's, it's know, a way of him getting paid for doing absolutely piss all while claiming that the whole system isn't working. And largely the system, uh, if it if it doesn't work, is because of people like him that just see it as a, 
Well, you know, just a, a DOS, basically. He's, yeah. he's he's not the man of the people he claims to be, no. and, and neither is the uh, that uh, Robinson fellow, who I understand is also attempting to... Yeah, this. I saw someone throw a milkshake at him. <laughs> yeah, well, I hope that doesn't bring all the blokes to the yard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it depends what kind of blokes. Or what kind of yard. Yeah, well, I, I was having a think this week, as I as I want to do, yeah, yeah, as yeah. I want to do. Yeah. Um, I really hope that we get a lot of young people turn out at these European elections. Yeah, because the sixteen year olds can vote in this. Exactly, right. exactly, and I think that's hopefully going to be a real help because you know, if, if, as we look at age demographics and uh, you know, left leaning, right leaning, uh, you know propensities and stances on Brexit yeah. all, all the positive things that we ideally want definitely skew towards the younger end of the scale having, having a few uh, years of additional young voters who are you know still excited and enthusiastic about you know the ability to vote yeah. is something that we hope that will you know mobilise properly I really hope so I mean uh, they're I don't really know what 16-year-olds are like these days because I don't know anyone who's got sort of kids of that age. You know, most of, most of my friends have got kids who are, are like toddlers and, and, you know, just starting uh, like primary school. So I don't really know many of that age group. I remember when I was that age, I had absolutely no interest in politics apart well, from, you know, watching satire shows that I didn't really understand very well. Yeah, but if you look at that now... It's all around. It's all around. Many people, you know, engaged in climate-based walkouts yeah, from yeah, schools yeah. and stuff like that. Like I feel like we, we have got more politically aware teenagers than we did before. I, I think, really hope so. You know, uh, the the rise of social media has probably helped in that yeah, regard, yeah, and yeah. the ability for uh, you know minority people to get their voices heard and mm. for people to hear that. Yeah. And I, uh, I'm just really hoping that like if if you happen to know a 16 year old that is eligible to vote, like. Encourage them to vote. Yeah, you get, know, get, educate them yeah. on the facts and, and, and tell them that it's, you know, it's proportional representation in this as well. So, yeah. you know, the, it's very important that we, we try and get the, the youth vote out there and try, try and make sure that they are mobilised and aware of, like, the, the issues at hand and understand what it actually means. And, you know, people treated the Brexit vote like it was a joke and I hope that, you know, that wouldn't be the case here. Yeah. And that, you know, perhaps we can show the rest of the world that we're not, we, we shouldn't be represented by people like Nigel Farage. But we can somewhat stabilise our uh, our country somewhat. That would, that would be nice. But then, on top of that, as well as just mobilising youth vote, just, if, you're, if you're a person who is eligible to vote and, you know, you happen to be overhearing this conversation somehow, yeah. get out and vote. Yeah, do it. You know, exercise your, your, your right to vote. It's a thing that, you know, not everyone in the world has. Yeah, and, and, and take you know, it vote expression is becoming a thing. You know, yeah. we, we had people in the last election who had voted for 87 odd years and weren't able to vote because of uh, the requirements for photo identification. Yeah. So before the Tories get on with their voter suppression schemes, which is really only going to hurt, uh, you know, the young and, and, and poor... Yeah. You know, tr- make sure that you can get your voice heard and make sure that uh, things can be done because that, that's absolutely vitally important. Really. Exactly. But I'm not always easy to say, you know, nothing's ever going to change or to, you know, not take your vote seriously. But, you know, do what you can. Try your best to to make a change and make your voice heard. Absolutely. And it doesn't hurt to try, especially when we have an actual thing with proportional representation. You know, the, the more people can make their voice heard... When it's an option, it's not. It doesn't take long. It's not not like a huge amount of effort. I voted the other day. I was in and out in less than five minutes. Yeah, exactly. 
Uh, you know, plus the, the amount of time that it taken me to, to read up on the local candidates. But yeah. beyond that, like, it wasn't a huge amount of effort. And, you know, then think of the difference it could make. Yeah. I've probably spent longer than that, you know, fussing over which design for an image to download on, on Twitter or something, you know. Or, like, you know, which uh, which what to watch on Netflix, just scroll, 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 Yeah, exactly, scroll. you know, and, you know, that's a that's a use of time that's actually doing some some good going about it. Exactly, even if you don't think it will affect you personally, why not take the risk that you might help someone else who isn't you? Yeah. Right, you're up for that hug. Always, mate, always. Yeah. Ah. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Yeah. God, I hope they do the right thing this time. Oh, we can only hope so. Actually, we can't only hope so. We can, we can try and make it so. We, we shall certainly do our bit and, and, you know, try and encourage others to do the so. same. Yeah. Right. Right, shall I, uh, shall I get a kettle on me? Yeah, have that cup of tea. Nice. Laura! Yes? Where can we find you on the internet, darling? Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere. Much everywhere? Yeah, Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch and YouTube. That is the main places you mm-hmm. can find me. Um, I'm gonna be on... I'm gonna be on Twitch and uh, YouTube a lot more frequently in the coming weeks and months. Wait, wait, um, wait. I will also have my words on some places that they aren't currently going, so mm. like... Check out LauraKBuzz.com soon. That's going to start populating with content. Maybe keep an eye out on my Twitter feed for other places that I might be doing some words. Yeah. Um, You're currently doing lots of words on that Kotaku.co.uk. That's where I'm at right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, all the big words. All them big words. Uh, other than that, I've got some books. Uncomfortable Labels comes out in like... Gosh, like two months. Yeah, like seven I think, weeks I think it is. Yeah, something like that. It's. I think it's... I, I think it might be 63 days. Like, don't quote me on that. I think on the day we record, I think it's 63 days until it comes out. Um, you can find me at the Right Queer Right Now exhibition in London that's happening on the 31st of May. I'll be there uh, too. Yeah. So uh, <coughs> tweet me if you want more info. There is a tweet that I can link you into. Mm-hmm. Uh, things I learned from Mario's butt. That's hopefully coming out at the end of this summer. Um a Dice Funk Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on oh. seasons three, four, and five. What about you, Jane? For my, I am on uh, Twitter and YouTube as Maniac Janiac, on Twitch as Janiac, where I stream on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, also on Badly Designated Heroes, which I mentioned earlier, that can be found on the Curiosity Epidemic Network if you look for Curiosity Epidemic on Apple Podcasts or most uh, podcast aggregator pages. And there's somewhere else as well. Uh, Curious Epidemic on on Twitter, if you want to find stuff. You will usually put all the links up on there. But yeah, um, soundcloud.com slash janiarismagnet, where you may be listening to this now. It is almost two years since episode two of the program came out. So if you fancy scaring the bejeebas out of yourself... It's a good scare. It's apparently it's a good scare. Too too scary for some, perhaps. Um, yeah, and I think that's it. Oh, uh, PayPal.me slash Jane Magnet and Patreon.com slash Stoned Monkey Radio. If you want to be my very first Patreon, you could do that there. Mm-hmm. And StoneMonkeyRadio.blog, where I write words and 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 stuff. But I might be writing in some other places soon. You never know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. <gasps> Laura. Yes. Sing us out, darling. Until next time, be a stranger. Bye.